In the early James Bond films, you never had any doubt who James was working for, for Queen and country. And to underline the point, the filmmakers made one film called On Her Majesty's Secret Service. James was always about the Queen's business. Now, if someone were watching you or watching me, would there be any doubt in their mind that we are working for King Jesus on His Majesty's business? Luke has placed Jesus' parable right here at the crescendo of Jesus' journey. Jesus had just radically transformed the life of Zacchaeus and having once again declared his mission and invitation that he's come to seek and to save the lost, not just Zacchaeus, but for all who are willing to be found by him and welcome him as Lord. But Luke also tells us why Jesus told this parable. You see, he was near Jerusalem and people were thinking the kingdom was going to appear at once. And why wouldn't they? Jesus was nearing the completion of his very long road trip from the north to the south and momentum had been building. Jesus had been teaching like no other rabbi with the words of eternal life and the wisdom of God. There'd been all the healings and the miracles, sight given to the man born blind, those with leprosy healed, a son, a brother raised from the dead. Now Jerusalem was just a few miles higher. Expectations were running to fever pitch that God's enemies, the Romans, would be overthrown and Jesus take the throne. The people were after a quick fix, a political solution, and they expected the kingdom of God to appear immediately. Jesus told them this parable to burst their bubble. He told a story of a different chain of events. Now, this parable is not about money, but a man. And by the way, we're not to confuse this parable exclusive to Luke's gospel with the one that perhaps we're more familiar with in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, where actually the talents are a far greater amount of money and they vary from one servant to another. In this story, here we hear of a man of noble birth who was made king, but whose enemies defied him. At the return of the king to his land, there was a reward of the king for some and the rebuke of the king for others. A story of a man going to a distant land to get a kingship. Well, that sounds strange to us, but actually it would have been a very familiar story to those first century hearers of Jesus, because this parable that Jesus told was in part based on a historical event. Herod Archelaus had to travel to Rome to actually get his kingship of Judea approved by the Romans before he could take up his title. However, and get this, Jews and Samaritans came together and sent a delegation behind him to Rome to protest and say that they did not want him to be their king. And in fact, although he was confirmed in his rule, he was never 
given kingship by the Romans. So the parable tells us that the man gave 10 of his servants 10 miners, presumably one to each. And this minor was a moderate amount of money, and the amount given did not vary, one to each. And the man said, do business with it. That's how several translations put it. In our translation, we heard, put it to work. And it says in verse 15, the one who says, do business with it, was made king. Jesus was speaking about himself. And yes, when he was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven, he was and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is enthroned, as Ephesians put it, his work completed. So Jesus is king. He is absent, but in authority. And in the meantime, his servants, we are commissioned to serve faithfully, to be about his business. If you are a Christian, you are one of the 10 servants. Now let's just take a moment to compare this with what was about to happen to Jesus. You see, in less than seven days, a delegation would go after him and say that they did not want him to be their king. They had no king but Caesar. They wanted to crucify a man who was no king to them at all. You see, it is said that there are just two types of people in the world, disciples of Jesus or those who defy Jesus. Either Jesus is your king or he is not. Either in your heart Jesus is Lord of Lords or is not Lord at all, so the saying goes. And though we come across those who are apathetic towards Jesus, when you press them, Jesus has no place for sovereignty in their lives. Meanwhile, others are hostile, but whether overt or covert, either way, it makes a person an enemy of the king and his kingdom. The parable ends on a sober note. The enemies of the king are doomed to fail. Many of you know I've just graduated from theological college and at college I was part of a larger fellowship group with a number of students from around the country. Well, Louis from the Northwest was one of them. And I always enjoyed meeting up when we had a national gathering of students with Louis and others. But what I liked particularly about being in Louis's fellowship group was that when we came together for a quiz, there would be 30 tables of 10 students or staff. And if you had Louis on your team, you would always win, whether it was history, whether it was art and literature, whether it was science, general knowledge, the music round. He knew all the answers. No other table could ever win unless they had Louis. One writer puts it like this, it's a foolish mistake to oppose King Jesus. You will be thoroughly defeated for opposing such a pure and perfect and righteous King as Jesus. We are called to serve faithfully 
in his absence to be about his majesty's service. And in Psalm 149, it records that the faithfulness of his servants brings delight to the Lord. How beautiful the thought of bringing joy to our Lord through our faithfulness. And this is set in a context of a king-hating culture. I'd like to note the way one commentator so poignantly puts it. As the king's servants, we serve between the smile of Jesus and the frown of the world, and we must decide who we value most. Jesus, King Jesus is returning. Faithfulness is rewarded. And as we see in verse 15, the nobleman will come back and will reward those who have something to show. For the first servant, one miner has gained 10 more, and for the next, one miner has gained five more. Let's just notice their humility. They do not take the credit for it. They don't say we have earned it, but it has earned. In other words, we steward it, stewarded it, but it did the business. The minor, what, what is that? Well, there is some debate. Is it the gospel? Is it the spirit? I think Jesus is asking us to be faithful gospel entrepreneurs for him while he is away. Now let's think of Paul who came immediately after the time of Jesus. He said it wasn't his preaching or his gifts that won people for Christ, but it was the gospel, the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And Paul, at the end of the age, when the king returns, when Jesus returns, he'll be surrounded, Paul will be surrounded by the multitudes who through his witness will have come to Christ. But he will stand before Jesus and say, it was your gospel that did that. Are we business-minded for Jesus, going about his business? Does Jesus get your working time or just your leftover spare time? Every gathering of Christians, every church has a mission statement. And at Christ Church, ours is to make passionate disciples for Christ. Yes, you may have an employer. You may be self-employed. You may be employed in a voluntary role, in a caring role, outside the home, in the home, but you have a higher employer. We are to put the gospel to work at work. In our homes, as parents, we are not just working for our family, but we are working for Jesus in our family. Do you have a business plan for the spiritual nurture of your children? It is each of our responsibilities as parents. We are given 
that gospel responsibility to teach spiritual things to our families and single people in all the diversity of opportunities that you have are you working for christ or just satisfying yourself or perhaps you are at a later stage in life are you still working for jesus i want to tell you that every week i receive an email from one of our centenarians to tell me how she is praying each week for our alpha course and i know that she sees her care home as her workplace her mission field a place to make passionate disciples for christ a chance to tell the residents and the staff the good news of jesus if this is your priority be encouraged if you are about your majesty's business through all the trials and difficulties of day-to-day -day life and there are many jesus says there is a reward but if today you can't say that he is your priority we must take seriously the final two verses of the parable the third servant says here is your minor i kept it wrapped up in a cloth in that very statement there is a contradiction he is a servant for the king but he doesn't work for the king his excuse as he says and we see it in verse 21 i was afraid you are a hard man well in other words i distrusted you and therefore i feared you do you trust jesus notice how he trusts us he trusts you to be about his business while he's away in his earthly ministry he invested in the people all around him his invitation to be in the kingdom of god was and is to everyone but we can exclude ourselves by our attitude or our behavior how easy it is to be like that third servant we don't have to be incredibly antagonistic just disinterested going about our own business as though we hadn't been put on mission we hadn't accepted the invitation of the king into his kingdom and to be about his business are we treating our faith in Jesus like an like an optional side salad rather than the main event, the main meal, our daily bread? Have we taken the gospel for ourselves, but are doing nothing with it, wrapping it like that third servant in a cloth and hiding it? And the king's response. The servant is judged as wicked. And what he has is taken away and redistributed. Jesus wants us to understand the principle to the one who has more will be given, but the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. 
And it's debated whether this third servant is a Christian who has done nothing with this greatest of gifts given, or whether this servant is an unbeliever. But either way, well, it's bad either way if we are not serving the king. So now we come back with greater focus to that original question. Are you on his majesty's business? Are you on his majesty's service? Jesus the king is returning and he has entrusted us in the meantime to be working whatever our work, whatever our circumstances, bringing the hope of the good news of Jesus that he is our saviour, he has set us free from our sins, all that separates us from Father God. And he has brought that to everyone, everywhere. Are we about his business? Church, we have a mission statement, making passionate disciples for Christ. That is the business we are to be about today.